This is my Bible, uh, God's Word. Let's say this verse up here together from Isaiah 55, 11. Can you say it with me? God's Word that goes out from His mouth will not return empty, but will accomplish what He desires and achieve the purpose for which He sent it. God's Word. It's not just a book, it's the very Word of God. Today we're going to conclude the message series, The Book of Life. And my message today is entitled, Essential Food for Life. Now if I was to do a survey this morning and ask each of you if you've eaten each and every day this past week, I think it would get about 100% yes. I certainly did. I ate every day last week. And... Unless you're extremely sick or on an extended spiritual fast or something to that nature, you're going to eat. Why? Because food is essential for life, is it not? If we don't eat, what happens? Well, we get weak and we get feeble and eventually, if you don't eat for long enough, you're going to die. And so, I don't know if any of you have ever got too busy to eat. You got so busy, you keep doing things and you skip a lunch or you skip a breakfast or something and what happens after a while? Your body starts telling, uh, telling you, you forgot to eat. Your stomach starts growling, you feel a little, maybe even lightheaded or whatever and you feel hungry and your body says, you better eat pretty soon because it's not good to go for a long period of time without eating. And so physical food is essential for life. Now, if I did a second survey this morning, which I'm not going to do, but if I did and asked everyone here whether they'd read their Bibles every day last week, based on previous experience with surveys like that, I think I would get somewhat less than 100%. I don't hear any amens off of that. Uh, well, why is that? Why would that be the case? Well, I think the first reason is that we as believers don't really, really think that reading our Bibles is essential for our lives. Life is busy. Things happen. We get busy going here, going there, and then the best of intentions fall by the wayside, and it's late at night, we're tired, and we go to sleep, and we didn't read God's Word that day. Or perhaps it gets real late, and then we intend to read in the morning, but there's this thing called the snooze button on the alarm. Anybody ever use the snooze button? It goes off at 5 a.m. and snooze it. It keeps going, and the thing keeps hitting the snooze. And you can go along for quite a while like that. And all of a sudden, you've got to get going because you've got to get to work on time. And, well, you didn't get your Bible reading done that morning either. And so life is busy and often other things come in and crowd out reading God's word in our lives. The second reason is that the Bible is to be spiritual food for us, but, but the signs of spiritual weakness are not as obvious as the signs of physical weakness. And we can start to get pretty weak spiritually without even really recognizing what's going on in our lives. Is God's word really essential food for life? Let's look at what Jesus said in our first scripture, Matthew 4, verse 4. 
Now the scriptures are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You might want to pull that out. As the scriptures written out as well as the outline to the message. I encourage you to take a look at that. And on the back of the outline is a study guide for the message. You can do that on your own or we encourage you to take part in one of the life groups. Which is we'll be looking at the study guide this Sunday evening at uh, 6 o'clock. Right here in our home, which is just about five minutes from here in the Chesterfield area. Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus here is saying, Yes, you need physical bread to live. We all need to eat. That's the way God created us. But that's not sufficient to maintain spiritual life. Spiritual life is nourished, is birthed and nourished through the Word of God. If you don't regularly eat the spiritual food of God's Word, you're going to get weak spiritually. You're going to get feeble spiritually. And eventually, if you didn't have any spiritual intake, you would fall away and die spiritually. The Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught contains the line in Matthew 6.11, Give us today our daily bread. Now most of us, when we pray that prayer, we're thinking about the food that we need to eat. We need to get food on our table, and God, we're praying for God to put our daily food before us. And it certainly is part of that petition. But this is found in Matthew 6. And just two chapters before in Matthew 4, Jesus said that you don't live on physical bread alone. So the other aspect of this petition in the Lord's Prayer is that we need daily spiritual food. We need to partake of God's Word daily in order to keep our spiritual lives on track. Without it, we'll get spiritually weak, we'll be easily deceived by false teaching, and we won't have God's full blessing in our lives. Now today we're going to look at a chapter from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, to learn more about God's Word as essential food for life. Now this chapter is in the middle of a section of chapters in the book of Isaiah, which runs from chapter 49 to 57, which is all about the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. And when we read this, when I read this, when many scholars read this, we see that it is talking about the coming Messiah. It's talking about Jesus Christ who is and was the servant of the Lord. And so when we read this, these chapters, when we read Isaiah 55, we need to read it in the context of the coming Messiah, who is the one who gives us our spiritual life. The chapter begins with an exhortation to come to God for spiritual food. Verse 1 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. And so God here calls people who are thirsty, people who are hungry to come to him for spiritual food. We're instructed to buy even if we have no money. Now, how is that possible? It's only possible because someone else has paid the price. Someone else has paid the price for us to feed spiritually on a banquet laid out for us by God. And the one who has paid the price is Jesus, the servant of the Lord. Nothing else can satisfy. Verse 2 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor 
on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Now this banquet that's laid out for us, this spiritual food from God is, is free. It doesn't cost us anything. We don't have to pay money. And so this verse asks us, why should we try to spend our money and, and work for something else? There are counterfeit spiritual foods all around us, but they are not true spiritual bread. There are counterfeit spiritual drinks that are offered to us, but they are not true spiritual drinks that satisfy. Spiritual food that comes from God, His very Word is, is good. It says it's the richest affairs. It's something that we should delight in. It's something that satisfies the hunger in our hearts. And as we eat of it, we will find eternal life. Verse 3 says, Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God's word from the very first book in the Bible, Genesis, to the final book in the Bible, Revelation, points us to one thing, which is the person of Jesus Christ. And God's word is the book of life, and it points us to the one who gives eternal life, to Jesus Christ. And God here speaks of making an everlasting or eternal covenant with those who put their trust in him through the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ. And so God is the one who provides to us spiritual food. God has placed in the heart of every person a, what some writers have called a, a God-shaped vacuum. And without God in our lives, we're going to feel empty. Without God in our lives, we're going to have a hunger for something that is missing. Without God in our lives, we're going to have a thirst for something that we want to take in to satisfy that thirst. But that God-shaped hunger and thirst in the center, in the core of our lives, can only be satisfied with God Himself. The other things that people try to put in that vacuum do not work. People spend money and time on many kinds of things that they think are going to satisfy that hunger, that thirst that God has placed within them. But it leaves them empty. And it actually pulls them away from God. The very one who alone can satisfy. Now how can you discern true spiritual food from counterfeit spiritual food? Simply by reading and studying God's word. It tells you what is true spiritual food. It warns you what is counterfeit. You ever wondered why there are so many denominations and so many kinds of churches? Well, that's a complicated question. But the, one of the reasons is that many groups follow other books, other writings, other creeds beside the Bible. Counterfeit teachings, things that muddy the waters, things that are not solely based on God's Word. God's Word contains the truth. God's Word is the only true spiritual food Truth is not necessarily how you were raised. A lot of people are captured or captivated by how they were raised. Mom and dad did it this way, and so I must continue in the tradition. Well, if mom and dad were following God's word, 
then that's fine. If mom and dad were not following God's word, that's not so fine. And so we need to look at God's word for ourselves. And even if that means believing differently than our families, believing differently than our parents, believing differently than our friends, we need to follow the truth of God's word. Truth is not what you feel comfortable with all the time. People come to me and say, well, Pastor Dan, what you preached, I'm not comfortable with. Say, if God's word doesn't make you uncomfortable from time to time, and somebody's not preaching God's word, God's word makes me feel uncomfortable. It should make us feel uncomfortable because the point of God's word is we need to change. We need God to help us to change. When we're uncomfortable, God wants to move us into a place of greater commitment to himself. So truth is what the Bible says is true. And when you read the Bible with an open mind and you, when you read the Bible with a heart to obey, then God will reveal his truth to you and you will find eternal life and you'll walk in that life, even in this life. But that's just the beginning. We must go on to seek to know God. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Now again, when we read the Bible, you'll find that the Bible doesn't do a lot of suggesting. These are commands. But many people read them as suggestions. It's like, well, yeah, you know, it's a good idea and I'll think about it. And I like this suggestion over here, love your neighbor, but I don't like this suggestion over here. And, uh, but you'll see most of these phrases in the Bible are commands. These are commands here. Seek the Lord, call on him. We must seek to grow in our knowledge and our relationship with God. Even after we become believers, we must continue to seek God. A person who has truly found eternal life, a person who is truly saved, will continually seek to know the Lord better. That's one of the marks, that's one of the characteristics of a believer. Now notice here it says you are to seek the Lord while he may be found and while he is near. What does that imply? That implies there may become a time when, when somebody may seek the Lord and not find him. There may come a time when you call on the Lord and he's not near. And he doesn't hear your call. You know in our study of the end times in the growth class on Sunday mornings we learned that when Jesus returns, the time for seeking God is past. The Bible teaches there is appointed, upon a man, uh, appointed to a man once to die and then the judgment. Once we die, we can no longer seek the Lord. We also learn that in the last days, many people will refuse to seek God, even though his judgments are clearly being demonstrated. Many people will refuse to submit to Jesus Christ in the last days. There comes a time when people's hearts have become so seared with sin and so seared with rebelling against God that God turns them over to their wicked ways and they can no longer find him and 
They no longer want to find him at those points. And so today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear God speaking to you, seek to know him. Call on him when he is near. To seek to know God means we also turn from our sinful ways. He says in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Because of what the servant of the Lord did, Jesus, what he did by dying on the cross, taking our sins upon himself, God has made a way for the wicked to see God's mercy. Even the most vile of sinners can forsake his ways and receive God's forgiveness. This verse speaks of the process of repentance. Repentance is turning away from the wrong that we've done, telling God that we're sorry for our sin, turning away from it and putting our faith in God, putting our faith in Jesus Christ. So it's a turning away and a turning towards. It's making, if we're going this direction in sin, it's making a 180 degree change and heading towards God. The problem is that many people don't know what they're doing is wrong. Many people justify everything they do. They have a reason why they killed that guy. He did them wrong. He disrespected them. They all have reasons for the wrong that they do. How can we know which of our ways and thoughts are wrong? Through God's word. It informs our conscience. It helps us to know what is right and what is wrong so we can turn away from our sinful ways because what does sin do? It destroys us and it destroys other people. We need to learn the ways of God. Verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Lord here says it's impossible to try to figure out all of God's thoughts. We as human beings cannot comprehend the vastness of his understanding. Many people have tried. The results are seen in the multitudes of religions across the world. People trying to figure out who God is, what he is like. How can we learn the thoughts and ways of God? Only through God's word. God's word is a special revelation in which he has revealed himself to us. He has drawn back the veil and shown us the truth of who he is and who we are and his plan for our lives. And because God's ways are so much higher than our ways, we may not immediately understand everything written in the Bible. And that's okay. Some people say, I can't understand the Bible, Pastor Dan, so I've quit reading it. So I point them to a few passages, you know, such as love your neighbor as yourself. Can you understand that? 
Well, yeah, I can understand that. I said, there's plenty of things in here, if we go through it for a while, that you can understand. Is that right? Yeah, but this part I don't understand. You know, what is this 666 and the Antichrist? I don't understand that. That's okay. That's okay. Let's just work on what you do understand. And as we work on what we do understand, God will reveal more to us. He doesn't necessarily reveal everything that we want to know, but he reveals everything that we need to know to live the life that he has created us to live. When you want to learn God's ways, he will reveal his ways to you. What is the point of God's revelation in his word? That we would seek after God, that we would know him better, that we would turn from our sinful ways and walk on a pathway of holiness, that we might commit our lives to Jesus Christ. So why is God's word essential food for life? Because it's the only way to keep growing spiritually. I'm convinced that without regularly reading, meditating on, applying God's word to our lives, no one is going to grow spiritually. Even if you know the Bible from cover to cover, you know every story, without continually reminding yourself, you're going to decline spiritually. I've seen it in my own life. When we get busy, even as a pastor, you can get so busy, you decline spiritually. And why is that the case? Because every day, each one of us, in this day and age, in the 21st century, unlike any other century, is, is bombarded by wrong, false, and sinful information on every side. The sources are many. It can just be talking to a friend or co-worker. It could be listening to the radio, watching television, surfing the net, chatting with someone on Facebook, reading a book, a magazine, watching a movie, and the list could go, could go on and on. Now, I'm not saying all those things are bad. I'm just saying in all of those information sources, there's a lot of false, misleading facts, opinions that are coming at us, things that are in disagreement with the Word of God. And so unless we counteract that flow of false information with the true information of God's Word so that we can filter it through God's Word and say, this is true, this is not true, but we tend to succumb to the pressure of our culture. The Bible talks about it as being squeezed into the mold of the culture around us. And it's very, very easy to happen for all of us. And the only way we can counteract that is with the truth of God's Word on a daily basis. If we don't counter the pull of society and culture on our lives, then we'll become just like the people around us. We must seek to know God through His Word on a daily basis. And as we do, we'll receive the refreshing of the Word, of God's Word. Verse 10 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, and we're going to continue the thought in the next verse. But we'll see in that verse that God is likening his word to the rain and the snow. The rain and the snow come down from heaven, as it were, to refresh the earth, to water the earth. The rain and the snow are essential for 
causing plants to grow, for the seeds to germinate, the plants to grow, the plants to continue to grow until they, uh, the seeds ripen, and finally the harvest is produced and bread is made for someone to eat. And so the rain and the snow come down from heaven. They have a purpose to fulfill on this earth. The same is true of God's word. God sends his word to refresh us and to accomplish his purpose. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The words that we read written down in our Bible are not the words of men. They are God's word. Now, you know, what if I held a book up here I said this book was written by an alien intelligence from another planet on the other side of the universe. I thought, well, what's in it? I really want to read what it has to say. But this book was written by something far greater than some alien intelligence, far greater than any president, far greater than any wise man who's ever lived. It was written by the very God of the universe. Now, how did that happen? Well, God, through his Holy Spirit, inspired men. He spoke through his Spirit to them and he inspired them to write down his very words on parchment. And they wrote it down. And down through the centuries, it's been transmitted to us. The very word of God. They revealed, it reveals what God entrusted to each of those men. And so every word in scripture has a purpose. God didn't waste time. He didn't waste space. Every word has a purpose. And it's going to accomplish what God desires. God has a purpose for which he created each and every one of us. And how are you going to accomplish that purpose in your life? Only if you read God's word and allow it to change you. Isn't it amazing that this book can help each one of millions, if not billions of Christians, fulfill their destiny? We'll talk about it in a minute. That's possible because the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of this book is available to you and I to help us to read it and apply it to our lives. And when we receive the refreshing of God's word, it will give us joy and peace. Verse 12 says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the, all the trees of the field will clap their hands. It speaks of blessing. God's word brings blessing into our lives. God's word brings joy and peace into our lives. Creation itself rejoices when Christians are following God and his word. Because God's word will change your life. Verse 13, instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Do you like thorn bushes and briars in your garden? No, they're pretty sharp, aren't they? 
got sharp thorns. They grow up. They crowd out the good plants. We don't like them. They're weeds. And God's word here promises that when we allow his word to take root in our lives, when we follow his word, then these thorny weeds are going to be taken out and replaced by beautiful trees. A symbol of the life of God growing in our lives. And this verse says this will be for an everlasting sign. Why is that? Because every believer who receives the truth of God's word planted in their hearts, it's going to sprout up to salvation. It's going to sprout up to eternal life. And every believer is going to last forever. It has eternal life. And so each believer is an everlasting sign for the Lord's glory. Now this chapter begins, Isaiah 55 begins with a call for those who are thirsty to come and drink of God's spiritual drink. Jesus said in John 7:37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow out from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so God satisfies our thirst for him with both his word and his spirit. And so, as I mentioned before, I'd be remiss to conclude this series about the word of God without pointing out the intimate connection between the word of God and the spirit of God. Without God's spirit, you really can't understand God's word. God's spirit inspired the men writing the Bible, and we need God's spirit to illuminate for us the word of God. So that we can understand it and so that we can apply it to our lives. And so as you read God's word, pray and ask his Holy Spirit to help you understand. Not just what happened thousands of years ago. That's just the first step. But the second step, what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with my family? What does it have to do with my life? What does it have to do with my thinking? What does it have to do with my plans? What does it have to do with my emotions? How can it change me to become more and more like Jesus? And as you take in the refreshing of God's word on a daily basis, you'll be refreshed. Your life will be changed. Because God's word is essential food for life. Without it, we cannot grow spiritually. It's a seed. And as we plant more and more of the seeds of God's word in our lives, in our hearts. They're going to spring up to eternal life. They're going to spring up to blessing. They're going to make us wise to live lives of wisdom as we turn from sinful ways and we turn to live in God's ways. It brings refreshing into our lives. It brings joy and peace and blessing. Now, to fully understand God's Word, you must be a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit comes and makes real to you. He makes real to you that, no, you're not a believer. No, you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ. No, you don't have an intimate relationship with Him. No, you do not hear Him speak to you. And He puts a hunger and thirst in your heart to know more of the one who created you, the God of the universe. 
And as you take that first step to commit your life to Him, then He begins to reveal more to you. More of Himself. More of His plan for your life. More of His purpose for your life. And so this morning, if you've never committed your life to Him, or perhaps you've done it way in the past and you feel like you've strayed away, other things have pulled you away from God, you haven't been walking with Him, I'd encourage you to recommit your life to Him. To admit that you've done wrong things, that you've sinned. To put your faith in Jesus Christ and to commit yourself to following Him. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord or commit for the first time, I encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've, I've sinned, I've done wrong things in my life. I haven't been following your path and your purpose and your plan. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus, the servant of the Lord, came to this earth lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took my sins upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. I don't understand it all, but please forgive me. I commit myself to following Jesus, to following his word, to following his purpose. I want to know him better. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray. That God would help us. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of your word, the Bible. Forgive us, God, for not considering your word as important as the food that we eat every day. Help me to come to you and your word to satisfy my hunger and my thirst. For importance, for significance, for satisfaction. Forgive me for looking at other places and, and giving other things, maybe not wrong in and of themselves, a higher priority in my life than your word. Help me to grow in seeking you. And as I read your word, God, open my mind up to see it in a new way, to see how I don't measure up to your standard and how you want me to change through your Holy Spirit. Help me to turn from my ways that are wrong and turn to follow your ways. May I not be the same next week as I am this week. And may I become more like Jesus. I want to receive the refreshing of your word, God. I, I need to be encouraged by your word. May I consider your word as my daily bread. May I make a priority and a plan to read it every day. And I thank you, God, that as I do, you're going to fill my life with your joy and your peace. Thank you that you're going to change me. Thank you that you're going to use me to spread the truth of your word to those around me so that others can become believers and enjoy the eternal life that you've given as a free gift to all who would receive. In Jesus' name I pray.